Hi everybody and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today I had a request for how to deal with tween uh, attitudes, which could also be teen attitudes later on. Um, and uh, before I do that, I want to certainly tell everybody to subscribe. I'll probably be coming up to another subscriber episode soon, but I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on my one recently about attachment theory, which gives you an overview about preoccupied and avoidant attachment, pursuer distancer, terms that I talk about a lot in my blog. And uh, there's not yet been the podcast overview until now, which goes a little deeper on each type and how to assess them, including the strange situation, which we do with one-year-olds and their caregivers to to assess for attachment style. Uh, Anyway, so I had somebody uh, ask me about uh, how to deal with tween attitudes and uh, gave me a few examples. First is the tween that doesn't really make eye contact and engage with adults and just says hi in kind of a monotone, and this is irritating to the mother. And also an example about a child who will not put put away her clothes or do some other little chore um, because her friends are around and she says, I'm with a friend right now. But also the mother says she had been asked to do this thing before the friend came over. So as in my podcast about stop letting your kids treat you like garbage, parents nowadays are really anxious about setting boundaries because somehow they think this is going to fuck up the kid. In reality, permissive parenting has been associated with worse outcomes even than authoritarian. And remember, permissive you know, is what it sounds like. Authoritarian is the strict one, and authoritative is the one that is warm but firm. Uh, And that's the one that we're going for. I mean, that just makes common sense. You know, you don't need a research study to tell you that it isn't good to let your kids do whatever the fuck they want, and it's also not good to treat them like prisoners. So um, the best would be where there are boundaries, but sometimes the boundaries can become flexible. Now, in this case... This would be a time where I think that boundaries would be flexible. So like if the child is hanging out with her friend, I mean, I certainly don't ask my kids to do chores in that situation when there's a kid over the house. Um, And that uh, would be considered embarrassing, you know, to do. And I asked my own 12-year-old and uh, she said, yeah, that would be embarrassing. However... um, I'm not really understanding, of course I do understand, but for rhetorical flourish, I I am not understanding how the child had a friend over when the child did not do her chore. So um, I'm going to assume uh, that this is a situation uh, like the ones that I see in private practice where it is not that the child has 10 chores to do per day like um, Laura Ingalls Wilder, but rather the child has uh, one, two, or three very, very minimal chores, sometimes literally meaning taking folded clothes um, from their bed and putting them into a drawer, something that takes point six seconds, you know. And so if a child will not do their chore, they do not get the next privilege. And privileges, of course, include socializing and having friends over. So if friends coming over is a privilege, you know. So lots of things are privileges. Money to go to the mall with is a privilege. Seeing the latest movie is a privilege. Certainly video games are a privilege. There's lots of privileges that our children all have that make their lives nice and good and uh, are luxurious. And those need to be um, not given if a child is disrespectful. So that's, it's a very easy um, 
uh, way to teach them about how the world really works because if you refuse to do even the smallest little thing for somebody, they're not going to go out of their way for you. Not ever. They shouldn't at home and they shouldn't outside a home and they won't, you know? So, uh, so let's say that this is a situation we're dealing with the laundry. I, I think it's something, something like this. I mean, if it really is a chore that is extremely onerous, like uh, I told my daughter that she had to clean uh, all the bathrooms and the kitchen before she could have her friend over and she wouldn't do it because she was doing her homework and had to get to school, well, then you're falling into the authoritarian um, type of parenting. But I really do not see a lot of people that are giving their kids too many choices nowadays. If you really feel that you are in that camp, then you should probably ask around your peers and see what their kids do and try to aim somewhere in the middle. Um, because if you are listening to this and are um, have been told that you're ext- extremely strict and you yourself think you might be, like it's not just your kid like bullshitting, it's literally like your kid is like my friends don't do any of this and and you believe them and you've talked to peers well then your kid's gonna be really really resentful you know as you would have been as a child if you had to do a million things that nobody else had to do right that sets up so authoritarian parenting sets up a lot of anger and resentment um and that really ruins the relationship with the child over time but i'm going to assume that this is just a um and the reason that of course i could tell that this is just a little chore is because if um is because of the fact that it didn't get done and the person still had the kid's friend over so i mean obviously we're erring on the side of permissiveness here because what's the child's friend doing in the damn house right i mean i get it your kid doesn't want to do chores in front of her friend all right, maybe it is embarrassing, you know, like to, to especially if, if the friend never does that in front of your child. Cool, like let your child like enjoy their social time. You yourself probably wouldn't do chores if you were socializing with somebody. But how is the child's friend in the house? That is a privilege. So if the child doesn't do a chore, then the child doesn't get the privilege, especially a very minimal chore like this. So the idea would be to sit down with your kid after the friend is there and say, uh, you know, my bad, you know, I, I let you have this friend over and now I'm mad at you because you didn't do your chore. You didn't do it in front of the friend and you didn't do it before. I get why you wouldn't want to do it in front of your friend. Enjoy your time with your friend, fine, but why didn't you do it before? So from now on, if the few chores that I ask you to do are not done, then the privileges do not happen. And that's super easy to understand. And it's a real easy situation for the kid because they literally only have to do their chore. And it's, it's, very, it's very obvious. So when children... Don't ever put child in a no-win situation. So, for example, don't say something like, you will have to do all, make your room completely clean, and then the child doesn't know what that means, and they can never get there, and it's never fully clean. But again, permissive parents don't really err on this side. So, um, But for anybody listening, don't give your child nebulous goals like clean your room. What the fuck does that mean? Nobody really knows what that means to the parent. So say, I need you to put away your clothes. I need you to sweep up. And I need all these, uh, you know, cups of water and stuff away. Then you tell me, I'll come in, I'll tell you whether it's a go or whether you need to do more stuff. And then, of course, you can go do what you want after that. This is the thing that you need to do before you do your other privileges. And that, like, works, because, especially over time. Yeah, the first time they're going to complain because it's a new regime. But over time, 
consistency is really positive and beneficial for kids because they know what to expect. When kids have um, lasting uh, trauma and resentment from their upbringing, it's because they were put into no-win situations where the expectations were constantly shifting and they could never meet their parents' approval and they felt that there were these onerous burdens placed upon them, which in fact there were compared to other friends, right? You never want to make your kid an outlier in some bad way. You know, that that doesn't, you don't want to be an outlier in some bad way yourself, you know? So, I mean, just have some basic compassion for your kid there. If you have, uh, if, if you are in a demographic where the children are not, for example, um, you know, cleaning the entire house by themselves, you know, such as, living in our times and not like in, I don't know, again, Laura Ingle Wilder's times was different. Like those girls had to work from the books, you know, Laura and Mary had to do a lot of shit. But nowadays, kids don't really have to do as much stuff. We also have labor-saving devices, the Industrial Revolution, et cetera. But here, here's my point. Don't make your kid a freak that they're like the only one, like Cinderella, doing a million chores, but I don't think that you're going on this side. I think that you're probably on the other side. So it's very um, easy to understand. If you do X, you get Y. Now, you could do the same thing with anything else that bothers you, including the disrespect, what you perceive as disrespect, maybe social anxiety and awkwardness. At this age, kids find that themselves to be extremely awkward and they're like embarrassed by even being alive you know like they're just breathing feels awkward they feel like the adults are staring at them they feel like everybody's staring at them you know if you used to watch wonder years uh the kevin always had these daydreams about everybody in his class like you know humiliating him and laughing at him and pointing out some failing of his like when he had a pimple that is how tweens think you know so probably your kid is like made very anxious by the interactions with adults and the less that she says and the more the less eye contact she makes the better a chance she has of this terrible interaction which makes her feel so anxious ending now i certainly understand your perspective which is you don't want your kid to act rude so therefore make the expectations very clear when we see my friends on the street who are adults i would like you to make eye contact and say what you said in the question to the subscriber said she wants the child to say, hi, how are you? So cool. That's super easy. Lots of expectations are not as, as simple and straightforward. So you say, when we we're going to see my friends on the street, I'd like you to say, hi, how are you? You know, and this is this is one of those basic things that like you're going to do for me. Like, you know, you are going to put your laundry away and now you're going to do this thing. And I ask not so much from you. And these are the things that I am asking and they will be done accordingly because they make me happy makes me happy when you interact with my friend like that because I mean really be honest and as I've written before let's always be honest with our children about why we want them to do stuff like plenty of people act like completely socially bizarro when they're 12 and then they're totally normal by the time they're like 25 and they say hi how are you so like if you're saying like I want you to learn this and that and this and that that really is not as much of a compelling argument because the reality is, is that you're mobilized in this moment by your own embarrassment about what your friends will think about you. But if you're honest about that, then cool. Like, don't tell your kid, I want you to learn how to engage with adults because this is going to predict like how successful you are in life. Like, it's really not. That's like pretty catastrophic thinking because most uh, tweens are extraordinarily awkward, and it like and and then 
most of them turn into pretty normal adults who can talk to other adults and talk to everybody and superiors and authority figures and whatever. But it seems like it personally irritates and triggers you, which of course, always, by the way, it's interesting um, and uh, maybe even essential to figure out why you yourself are triggered by a certain thing. So, you know, there's always, there's a good book, Parenting from the Inside Out, that really walks people through figuring out why they have specific triggers in their kids' behaviors. And uh, I've written about this as well uh, in my article, 11 Things to Ask Yourself When You're Going to Flip Out on Your Kid, which I could link you to. But um, so like, for example, let's say that you had a parent who is like really weird, uh, who is like on the spectrum or something even. And so when your kid acts uh, weird and doesn't make any eye contact, then you get terrified. You feel like they're going to turn into somebody like your parent. And you saw how hard life was for your parent, you know, so this would be something to dig deep on. Right. Or maybe you feel like your kid is kind of uh ungrateful and you're just asking them this one thing and they won't do it and who else was perhaps ungrateful or unappreciative in your life are you triggered by thinking of somebody as ungrateful or unappreciative frequently when people perceive their kids as unappreciative the it's because they were with a parent who never recognized anything positive about them and wasn't very appreciative so that was also in my article stop letting your kids treat you like garbage which was also a podcast episode but anyway uh, you're totally within your rights. You are giving your kid a lot of shit, I'm sure, and lots of privileges, lots of cool stuff, lots of clothes, lots of trips, whatever. And, um, you know, things, this generation of kids gets a lot of stuff. And so you, you want to say, it embarrasses me, you know, when you won't say hello to my friends. I think that they think you're being rude. So because you are going to be nice to me, this is what you're going to do. You're going to make eye contact and say, hello, how are you? Then that's going to make me feel good. So, what, so then if your child says, well, I don't want to do that, you say, nah, I don't want to do a lot of things. You know, I particularly don't want to drive you to the mall later. I don't want to buy all these clothes from wherever the hell you like. I don't want to buy you voice lessons and guitar lessons and soccer and all sorts of shit. So you know what? I don't really want to, but I do it because I love you. So here's something you're going to do because you love me and because you're a member of the family. Okay, so uh, next time we see somebody, I'd like to see that. If you forget, I'll just kind of uh, squeeze your hand a little bit, and I'll give you a little, um, or I'll like wink or something. (laughs) Give you a code. And most kids are going to try to do it. You know, and if they don't, then that would be indicative of a different sort of an issue, such as a larger social anxiety issue or an anger issue toward you, you know, and uh, just a lot of resentment on their end, which precludes them from from wanting to make you happy. But within the majority of relationships uh, with children, when expectations are delineated very clearly with consequences and reinforced consistently, then that can ameliorate a lot of the problems. So, for example, if you then had a day where you met a person on the street and your kid didn't barely say hello and didn't talk at all, later you would say, that interaction didn't make me happy, doesn't exactly make me want to do whatever we were going to do later. You know, that was fun. So um, do you want us not to go to the mall later? Your kid's going to be like, no, no, I have to go to the mall. So then you'd be like, all right, I'll give you one more chance. But next time, next time you don't do it, truly we will not go to the mall. 
because I say to give a warning to be kind because if it's a whole new sheriff in town with consequences might as well be kind and actually say here's what would have happened in the new regime if you don't do what I say in these couple of things I ask we then do not do the privilege later and that may be very strange for your child to give them a little lead time with that so say so because I asked this of you and you didn't do it I don't want to go to the mall since this is a whole new thing I'm doing where there's consequences, I'll still take you to the mall this time. Next time, though, it's over. So then two days later, your kid thinks they're going to call your bluff and she, you know, doesn't talk to the adult again. And um, you've introspected about the social anxiety thing. You don't really think it's that. Um, but, of course, who knows? You know, uh, you might want to ask your kid if they do suffer from social anxiety and this feeling of why they're not talking to your, um, to your friend. But I'm sure you did that anyway, which is why I didn't lead with that, because most parents today talk about the feelings with the kids too much, if anything, not too little. So uh, let's say your kid does it again. Let's say your kid acts totally rude and doesn't even say hello to the friend at all, never mind, make eye contact, then you say, well, uh, next thing that we were going to do, we were going to go um, to get ice cream. We're not doing that. You can be like, oh my God, why? No, you can't do that. You say, yes, I can do that. I even gave you a warning. I was so nice last time I gave you a warning. This thing's very important to me. Now, if as you're listening to my episode here, by the way, you're like, Mm, you know what, like, it really isn't that important to me, you know, and maybe I'm going to do some more introspection about why this embarrasses me so much and what I feel that it says about me to my friend and why I may be triggered by a child who doesn't listen or by a child who acts awkward, then great, take it off of your list of shit that you want, you know, and, and go back to the folding and putting away the laundry or what have you. You know, anytime you could get some shit off of your list of stuff that you want another person to do because you realize it's your problem, then uh, great. That's like in parenting, that's in a relationship, that's anywhere. You know, you should always do a deep dive of why do I want my loved one to do X? What about me is it? Is this actually important for our relationship or am I maybe inflating variables and being triggered by something in my own self. Um, so, but, but maybe you'll decide, no, it really is important to me. You know what? If anything, I'll put away the damn clothes. I just want her to act social because I really do think that that is uh, going to make my life with her a lot easier and it's going to put me in a better mood. And uh, it's important to me that she acts nice to these people who act nice to her or whatever. Then you can make this your hill to die on. And it's not going to be, you're not going to die on it because the vast, vast majority of children uh, will respond very well to um, contingent, consistent uh, expectations. And of course, if this is an impossible situation and you're locked in a battle of wills with your child, then family therapy can be very useful in assessing why the child refuses to engage. And uh, we usually use a frame with children of can't, not won't. So if your child is really given this as a very, very clear expectation with contingent consequences that they care about deeply and still cannot do it, then we must think, why can my child not make this eye contact? What is it? What is actually going on? And a therapist may be much uh, better at figuring that out than a parent who is really where it's really too close to home. 
So thank you so much for asking this question. Uh, hopefully it gave you a useful perspective. And for all the other uh, listeners, hopefully it taught you something about the different uh, parenting styles in addition to how the majority of children will respond if given these very clear expectations at a very consistent, integrated, natural kind of way to explain, kind of if you don't scratch my back, I don't scratch yours, especially not on the margins of all of these extra luxuries that I am, uh, you know, creating your life to be so magical. Maybe I'm not going to make it so magical if you can't do like little things for me. And that's like how life works. You know, if you bust your ass for somebody over and over and then you ask them something and they don't do it, well, then you stop busting your ass for them, which includes, of course, hosting play dates and anything else that, um, you know, is, is extra. We're not talking about food, shelter, love, respect, but extra stuff, you know? Uh, all right, great. So if this added any value to your life, please do subscribe, and I will talk to everybody soon. Have a great day.